Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. So this morning, uh, before we get into our teaching time, let me remind you of two specific things coming up on February 5th. That's two weeks from today. First of all, Membership Matters is going to take place. That's our quarterly uh, membership class opportunity experience uh, where if you feel like that's your next step in uniting with us officially here at Crossgate Church and Membership, then uh, you will be with us, God willing, in Membership Matters. That's up in the loft area upstairs from 930 to 1145. Uh, we do offer children and preschool ministries during both of those hours on those Sundays. So if you feel like that's your next step, then you can either go to crossgate.org slash events and, set, and sign up for Membership Matters or simply come to our Next Steps area in the mall area immediately after this service and we can help you get squared away and get signed up for Membership Matters. But it's not just for those who feel like they're ready to take that next step. Membership Matters is also a great opportunity to simply do an informational deep dive on who we are as a church. Uh, because uh, there's so much wonderful things to know about our church, and if you're simply interested in knowing more with no strings attached, you can also sign up for Membership Matters and be a part of that opportunity. The second thing that's going to take place on February 5th is a disaster relief ministry information meeting. So as you know, every year uh, we see disasters strike all along the coastline and in other areas, flooding, tornadoes, the works. And Disaster Relief Ministry is one of the greatest opportunities not only to love our neighbors well, but also to be Jesus to them and to represent Jesus Christ and to share Jesus with them. Uh, this is an emerging opportunity, a ministry opportunity here at Crossgate Church. And if you want to know more about how you could potentially be involved in disaster relief ministry, I want you to come to an information meeting on February 5th in our conference room upstairs immediately after the second service, so about 1215. Uh, we're going to take about 30 minutes of your time to explain to you where we're at as a church and how you can be involved in our emerging disaster relief ministry. All right, now let's get into our teaching time as we we continue our teaching series for January entitled 31 Days of Prayer. And today, uh, I'm going to kind of give you a topical message. Uh, we're going to be in several different scriptures, so you can follow along on the screens or you can play Bible drill right where you're seated and, uh, and keep up with us. But the bottom line is today we're going to talk about how to pray for God's wisdom, guidance, and direction in your life. Because I think all of us from time to time, find ourselves standing at a crossroads, whether it's a small crossroads or a massive crossroads, and we're simply asking God, which way do you want me to go? Now, we're going to follow the same basic pattern that we followed the last several weeks when it's come to uh, 31 days of prayer. I'm going to share with you about four principles straight from the Scripture regarding finding God's wisdom, guidance, and direction for your life. And then we're going to do something a little different when we get to the practical aspect of it. I'm going to invite our elders to join me on the stage. And then several of our elders are going to share some brief testimonies of how they have had to work through that in their own lives, uh, whether it's in their, their family lives or professional lives or academic lives or whatever. They're going to share some testimonies and you're just going to know how real this stuff really is and how, and how God's Word works in a very real way. And then at the end of our time together, Mark 
Mark Park, our elder candidate, is going to come and share his personal testimony with you ahead of your opportunity next weekend to affirm him as our next elder at Crossgate Church. Okay, so let's do this. Let's jump straight into the message, and I'm going to give you four principles for finding God's wisdom, guidance, and direction in your lives. Here's the first principle. Principle number one, God's will for you begins with God's will for everyone. You say, what does that mean, Pastor Phil? Well, here's the deal. Most theologians, when they start talking about the will of God, most theologians recognize that there are three types or categories regarding God's will for our lives. Now, you'll find many different names for these three categories, but by and large, everybody lands on three categories, the first of which is God's sovereign will. Okay, God's sovereign will. These are the things that God has decreed in advance that will absolutely happen as a part of his plan. There's nobody that's going to derail it, nobody that's going to thwart it. It will happen. Case in point, Look in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. Again, we'll put all these scriptures up on the screens for you. In the sermon that Peter gave, he said, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand, some translations say simply predestined, should happen. That's God's sovereign will. It's going to happen. God has decreed it before the foundations of the world. The second category is this, God's moral will. Okay, God's moral will. This is God's will that he wants everybody to do. That's why I say God's will for you begins with God's will for everybody. All right, there are many things that God wants all of us to do, right? Again, let me give you some scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, is there anyone here who God doesn't want to abstain from sexual immorality? No, it applies to everybody. Here's another scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Does God want everyone to be thankful? Absolutely. God wants everyone to be thankful. That's called God's moral will. All right, that applies to everybody, certainly everybody who follows Jesus Christ. You can't say, well, that's not God's will for me, because it is. It's God's will for everybody. That's called God's moral will. Now, here's the third category. The third category is God's personal will. Now, when someone says, does God want me to move to Chicago and take a job there, or does he want me to move to Los Angeles and take a job there? Now we're talking about God's personal will. Does God want me to go to University of Arkansas or Arkansas Tech or wherever, OBU? That would be in the category of God's personal will. Now, I will note this. When it comes to God's personal will, most of what God's will is that applies to you is in the category of his moral will. Okay, there, there are some times, yes, where God has something very, very specific for you. But I will tell you this, God may not really have a huge dog in the hunt one way or the other, whether you move to Los Angeles or Chicago. Did you know that? Sometimes what God is more concerned about is simply that you live a godly life, that you're following Jesus, loving your neighbor, you're attending a good, solid Bible-teaching church, that's his moral will for everyone, and you can exercise that in Chicago, Los Angeles, or Timbuktu, right? Okay, but sometimes God calls us to his specific will for us. I illustrate this with a little pie chart. The vast majority of your life falls under God's moral will, but there are times when you need to seek in prayer God's specific will for you, because God may very well have something very specific 
that he wants you to do. Again, let me give you some scripture. Okay, this is Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 23. This, of course, is where uh, Jesus has ascended back to heaven, and now there's, there's 11 apostles, right? Because Judas kind of pulled an Antonio Brown, and he tapped out, and so they had to fill that spot. And so here's what happens. Acts chapter 1, verse 23. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry, an apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So here's an episode where God's people come, and they say, God, there's two options. Which one do you want us to take? Door number one or door number two. That's totally legitimate, and we should always be seeking God's personal will for our lives if indeed he has something very specific out there. But our number one priority is to ensure that God's moral will, those things, the, 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 the marks of godliness that God calls all of us to follow and incorporate into our lives, that's the priority. Now, listen to what Adrian Rogers said. I love this quote. You know i got to throw an Adrian Rogers quote in every now and again, right? Okay, listen to this. I love this quote. The secret of knowing God's personal will for your life is found in a relationship, not a roadmap. I'm grateful for the walk of faith and trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But listen to this. He says, I don't worry about tomorrow. I simply follow God today. And today turns into tomorrow. The way to find God's personal will for the rest of your life is to find God's moral will for the next 15 minutes. Be faithful with that. Why should God reveal to you the big picture if you're not even faithful with the small snapshot? In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Isn't that good? You just be faithful with what God has told you to do in the next 15 minutes, and he will take care of the rest. Amen? Now, that's the first principle. God's will for you begins with God's will for everybody. But here's the second principle. The second principle is this. God's personal will for you must be sought in prayer. If you don't have a prayer life, there's no way you're going to know what God's personal will is for you. Listen to these scriptures. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So God's personal will for you must be sought in prayer. Principle number three. Principle number three says this. God's personal will for you always aligns with his glory and his purpose. Now, this is very important to understand. You're seeking God's personal will for your life. You say, I've got option A, B, and C. Which one should I take, God? Mark it down big, plain, and straight. God will never, and all God's people said, never. God's, listen, God will never lead you to do anything that is contrary to his glory and his purpose and his holiness and his word right? I mean, again, let me give you some scripture. All we got to ask at Crossgate Church is what? What does the 
Bible say, right, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now listen, I've been in ministry long enough to know that there, there's some knuckleheads out there that will come and they will say, well, God, I just think God wants me to do this. God would not, would not want me to, to not be happy and therefore God would want me to embrace this over here. For example, God is leading me to leave my wife and pursue this other woman. I, listen, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I've heard, Pastor Rob, have you ever heard that before? Yes, we've heard it. I mean, those are the kind of things that people, it's auto-suggestion, we're talking ourselves, we're deceiving ourselves, but there have been people who have said, well, God just wouldn't want me not to have this over here, whatever it is. Even though it goes contrary to his glory, it goes contrary to his purpose, it goes contrary to his holiness, and ultimately to his word. So whatever you're, whatever you're seeking God for in terms of his personal will for you, I guarantee you, it will not contradict his glory or his purpose. Now, here's the fourth principle, and I love, this is just where it gets, starts to get practical here, okay? Fourth principle, God reveals his personal will for you in many ways. Here's what I've discovered. Certainly, I've seen it in the Word of God, but I've seen it in my own life as well. God oftentimes reveals his personal will to us gradually, okay? That's the first thing. He, he reveals his personal will to us gradually. I got it. Every now and again, God will strike us with a lightning bolt, and we will know immediately what it is that he wants us specifically to do. But most of the time, it's gradual. Let me give you a scripture. By the way, this is one of my favorites in the whole Bible. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the new day, which shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day. I love that scripture. And if, and if you're here and you like to get out in the woods, especially early in the morning, deer hunters, tur turkey season's coming up, praise God, it's right around the corner. I mean, we get out in the woods early when it's still pitch dark. You can't see anything. And now you've got your back leaned up against a tree or you're sitting in a tree stand or whatever, and you can't see anything. But in a little while, there's a, there's a very faint kind of bluish gray just on the horizon. And you can begin to make out some, some basic shapes and patterns in the woods. You hear something moving around over here, you hope it's a big old buck, but you know it's a squirrel, right? And, and I mean, it's just, just, you can hardly see anything, but just a little bit of light. And then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of an orange glow in the east. And you begin to see some colors on the forest floor and, and, and leaves and so forth. And, and, then, and then eventually, the sun just peaks over the horizon, and soon the sun is up in the sky and you can see everything clearly. I will tell you, that that's Proverbs 4.18 right there. The path of the righteous is like the dawning of the new day that shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day. There's been so many times in my life where I have sought the Lord's guidance and wisdom and direction for something, and he reveals it to me gradually. As a matter of fact, I heard someone give a, a threefold paradigm, which has been uh, very real for me in my life. It goes something like this. When you're seeking God for something specific in your life, some direction, uh, here's three things to consider. First of all, th there's, there's kind of a harmless statement. God, do you want me to do X? You fill in the blank, whatever it is. You're just asking a question. It's, it's, it's a non-threat. God, are you, are you telling me you want me to do this? Right? Okay. And, and maybe you're going to ask that question for a while. It may take a while, weeks, months, however long in prayer. 
But as God begins to bring more clarity into your life, as God begins to shine more light on your path, now you move it to a statement. And you say, God, I think you might be telling me to do X, whatever it is, right? See, you've gone from this, God, are you calling me to X? And now you're saying, God, you might be calling me in this direction. And as you continue to pray through it and you continue to seek godly counsel and read the word and, and, and circle back again with the Lord over and over again, eventually you may come to the point where you say, God, if you don't want me to do X, you better let me know because I'm headed in that direction, right? You ever been there? That's, I'm telling you, that paradigm is so applicable to life. God reveals his personal will to us gradually. God also reveals his personal will to us scripturally. Let me give you some scripture, okay? Isaiah 31, verses 20 and 21. Your teacher will not hide himself, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, as we seek God's guidance and wisdom for our lives, and, and we read our Bibles and we get into the word on a regular basis, God begins to speak to us through something, something general or even specific in the Word and applies it to something specific in our lives. Case in point. So I got saved when I was a high school senior, and uh, shortly thereafter, God called me to full-time ministry. I mean, when I was a senior in high school, I knew exactly what God called me to do. And yet I needed to get some money for college. I wanted to do some patriotic service for our nation. And so I joined the Marines, and I did that for four years right out of high school. So at the very end of my time in the Marines, I was stationed out in Camp Pendleton, California, and I was uh, praying about where God would have me to go to college. God, do you want me to go to University of Florida? Go Gators! And, uh, and pursue a secular degree in order to provide some additional uh, breadth of insight when I go into ministry? Or do you want me to go to a Christian college in North Carolina? And do you want me to uh, go there and specifically prepare for preaching and teaching uh, your word. And I was praying through this, praying through this, praying through this. And I was reading the book of Acts chapter 6. And the book of Acts chapter 6 is basically where uh, you have the apostles there doing teaching and prayer and so forth. And you had an issue that came up that, that was distracting their attention away from that. And so they appointed deacons. That was where the, the first deacons were appointed in the first few verses of Acts chapter 6. I read that, and, and to this day, I could take you exactly to the place where I was seated at Camp Pendleton, California, when I read Acts chapter 6, and I felt like God was telling me, I have called you to preach my word. You need to go to, to the Christian college and prepare specifically to preach my word. I'll, I'll bring other people in your life to take care of this other stuff. And I, I, I mean, that's a time when God specifically spoke to me through Scripture about what he wanted me to do personally, and that's exactly what I did. Now, here's, here's the third way that God reveals his personal will, and that is circumstantially. All right, because sometimes we're seeking an, an opportunity, and God just flat out through circumstances closes the door. Have you been there? I, I, I've been there, okay? Again, the, it, we, we see this right in the Bible. Look in Acts 16. Acts chapter 16, Paul the Apostle is looking for ministry opportunities, and it says this, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel 
to them. Closed door, closed door, closed door, and open door. God does that so many times. He's certainly done it in your life, I'm, I'm sure, as he has done in mine. And lastly, God shares with us his personal will collectively. You know, God has called us to consult other godly voices in our lives, whether they be our parents, uh, co-workers who, who know the Lord, uh, leaders at church, other members of our life group, brothers and sisters in Christ, and say, what do you think about this? What do you th and you explain your situation. Again, we see the collective voices of God's people, the book of Acts, Acts 15, beginning in verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers and sisters who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. You have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of, of mouth. For, now look at this, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than those requirements that you abstain from that which has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So God uses the voices of other believers, faithful men, faithful women, to help us to, to get a clear picture of what he wants us to do. Several of you, if not many of you here today, are standing at a crossroads, and you are praying, and you are seeking God's personal will for you about that matter. And God has laid out in the Scripture many different ways that that can happen. Now, as I shared with you a few moments ago, uh, the practical part of our message is going to be where I invite our elders to come up on the platform. So I'm going to invite our brothers, our elders, to come up to the platform at this time. We're going to have a little bit of a, a furniture rearrangement uh, deal going on up here. But our elders, this is an elder-led church, of course. Each one of our elders has been nominated and ultimately affirmed by our congregation. Uh, the, the, the elder is a biblical office. And everything that happens or fails to happen at Crossgate Church, our elders are ultimately responsible for. As lead pastor, I'm also the lead elder. And so we have our five elders coming up along with myself. And, uh, and they're going to share with you briefly about what God has done in their lives in terms of seeking God's will. So on the front couch here, we'll have Mark Kramer as well as Terry Thompson. And then our chairs in the back uh, to the right, we'll have Gardner Lance as well as Dave White and Les Curry. And so guys, we have been talking a lot about seeking God's will and how we seek the Lord in prayer, uh, in his wisdom, guidance, and direction. And Mark, at our last meeting, you were sharing a little bit about just a, a big decision point in your life, and you were able to discern God's will through prayer. So tell us about that. Yeah, so um, back in, I guess, 2002, uh, my wife and I were living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, had gone to work for a good company and really thought that was going to be where I was going to be for my career. But as we progressed in, uh, with that company, decided, you know what, that's not, uh, just don't feel like that was going to be meaningful work for us. So we began to pray about other opportunities and um, was offered a job with uh, Morgan Stanley. Um, and they pretty much said, hey, when you sell your house, come on to, come on to Arkansas. And uh, we also got a call from a guy that I played baseball uh, for when I was growing up, said, hey, I got this opportunity in Arkansas for you too. So now I had two opportunities in Arkansas. 
And uh, my wife liked the State Farm one. I liked the Morgan Stanley one. So we we're kind of like, okay, we got to pray and see where God wants us to go. Well, we had put our house on the market when Morgan Stanley gave us the job offer, and it had been on the market probably almost two months, and nobody had even made a peep about it, right? And the State Farm offer came in. They're like, hey, you're going to come down and interview in two weeks, and two weeks after that, you're going to have to give us an answer. Well, my wife and I talked and decided, hey, we're not going to move half a country away with a house and a mortgage. Uh, so we just continued to pray and continued to pray. And um, the day that we were supposed to get on a plane to fly to Arkansas or Oklahoma, actually, for the interview, my wife called me at lunch. I was meeting with uh, my former boss about, you know, potential opportunity uh, with the same company, just in a different, different area. And she said, hey, I got this guy that just came and said that he wants to look at the house and he thinks he wants to buy it. And I was like, okay. I was like, I guess let him look at the house. I was like, but you know, we got to be on a plane in a couple hours. She's like, yeah. So I finished my lunch. I called my wife about an hour and a half later, and I said, so what's the deal? He's like, well, his wife's coming over, and um, he's pretty sure that he wants to give a full price offer. So long story short, they do that, whirlwind. I come home, meet them. They head out the door. We jump in the car, fly to the airport, get on the plane. And when the plane takes off, I look at my wife and I say, well, I guess the Lord made it clear where we need to go. So Arkansas State Farm, here we are. Rest is kind of history. Hey, Amen. I, I, here's two things I love about that, Mark. One, it's down to earth. I think most of us can relate to being in that situation. But two, I love the fact that, you know, you and Jill needed to be on the same page. I don't think God's ever going to call me to something that he hasn't called my wife to simultaneously. So I appreciate that, just the fact that you guys were united in that. So Terry, at, at a, a recent meeting, you were sharing a little bit about some, some early episodes when you were in the Air Force, uh, when you were first in the Air Force, and how God kind of guided you through that and praying through that. Tell us about that. Well, thank you, Pastor. This, uh, this covers, as I uh, was thinking through your message, just about every point that you made here is involved in this story. But um, God has answered many prayers uh, over my lifetime uh, in miraculous ways, but none more dynamically than what happened when I was just coming out of uh, uh, the Air Force, or thought I was coming out of the Air Force, uh, when my wife and I uh, went into the Air Force right out of college, we fully agreed that we were going five years, that was the requirement, uh, through pilot training, through, uh, uh, through an assignment, and then we would get out and go back to Arkansas and do our thing. So uh, as that time approached, uh, we started really thinking about, okay, what, what exactly are we going to do? We started praying about it some, but uh, I, was, I was already pretty well sure of what I was going to do, and I was asking God to bless my plans more than I was asking God what he wanted to do. Um, so we made several trips to Arkansas, uh, to, to establish uh, our roots there again. And uh, during that time, I uh, contracted for a, uh, for a house builder to build my house. Uh, I bought a lot, and um, I got a mortgage from a bank, and I secured a job with a major uh, company in Northwest Arkansas. So um, shortly thereafter, I got an assignment to uh, Vietnam in an airplane that I didn't really want to fly. And I, that just made my decision a lot easier. I thought, well, obviously the Lord doesn't want me to, to stay in the Air Force. So uh, also about that time, though, the American economy was really going downhill. 
and it looked like uh, we were about to go into recession, so I thought, man, we, I better pray more and make sure this is what I'm going to do. Kind of like, Lord, uh, this is where I'm headed. You better tell me now if you want me to stop. And uh, at that, right in that time, um, I, I, uh, I got a, I got a uh, call from my Air Force personnel office that said, Vietnam's winding down. We're going to take you off that assignment to Vietnam, and uh, we've got a, an airplane for you in Little Rock, Arkansas, four hours from my family. And it was a plane that I loved to fly, the C-130. So uh, I thought, now that's interesting. Just a few days later, and all within one week, all within seven days, I got a call from my house builder and he said, I had to lay off a bunch of people because of the economy and I can't build your house anymore. I got a call from the mortgage company that said the interest rate has skyrocketed and we're not going to be able to loan you that money anymore. And um, got a call from my company that I was going to work for and said, we're on a hiring freeze now, sorry. Just knocked my feet completely out from under me. Um, I mean, God didn't close the door, he slammed it and opened a double door uh, for me to go to Little Rock with the Air Force flying a plane I've always loved. And long story short, uh, had a great career, had just an enjoyable time, 24 years in the Air Force, still reaping the blessings of that career and have no regrets. God really shows up when you, when you come before him humbly and say, what do you want me to do? Amen. Thank you, Terry. Well, you like to fly C-130s. I like to jump out of them, brother. So um, I, what I, I appreciate the clarity that God, you know, the, the Proverbs 4.18 thing, he just, he, he, he's shown an increasing light on your path. And, uh, and I love to hear about how you were just able to tune into that uh, through the Lord. So Gardner, tell us a little bit about how God worked in, in the life of your family to move you from point A to point B to point C. I'm going to cover pretty strong point, point B to C here. So prior to this, we lived in Iowa. Um, we had a job there, gainfully employed. Everything was going well. Had a good church community. Well, I, I got a phone call one day about a role in Arkansas. So I actually had enough wisdom at that point that I assembled a, a group of, of folks. Um, and if you know me at all, I'm, I'm somewhat type A. I actually put together a full list of all of the strengths all of the weaknesses, all that sort of thing as I kind of weighed these things out um, of whether or not I should even consider it. And, um, and as we kind of stepped through that, um, really as I prayed about it, from day one, I had heard the term go. God doesn't always align husband and wife right out of the gate because my wife heard more no. Um, <laughs> One letter happens to make a very big difference. And uh, so anyway, we actually came down here and interviewed for the job. Um, and to this day, um, I can vividly remember um, sitting right there. Um, and uh, my wife in that, in that service, when we were, again, it was just a, an interview thing. And uh, we're sitting there, and, and my wife sees me. Um, it was Pastor Joel preaching, and, and I think it, at the time, um, I just had tears running down my face because I knew. I knew 
that, that God had spoken, um, and he had, you know, that little slice that, that Pastor Phil was talking about, he had spoken um, specifically and explicitly to me, um, and it was just incredible. Um, you know, we, we knew. And there was, like I said, uh, a huge influence of godly counsel in our lives kind of helping us process through these things as well. Um, and I would have you know that very much my wife did come along and, uh, and uh, was just more of a late adopter. Um, so it was pretty pretty incredible experience. And then really in retrospect, you see things like um, God in working His plan, He had brought us through some things um, in Iowa that we've been able to build into part of our ministry here with the Elevate Weekends, both the, the men's and the women's. So one of those things that so many times, you know, we, we wish we could see the future, um, but we very much, um, when we look in the rearview mirror, we can see God's hand. You know, Gardner, one of the things I love about your story, and, and you shared a little bit more, you, we had a little more time to elaborate the other day, but I love the fact that you weren't just seeking God because you wanted a, a particular job. I mean, you, you very much had the whole, we need to make sure there's a good, solid Bible teaching church in the area, and, and even God laying that vision on your heart to one day see this, this you know, men's and women's weekends, you know, could, was God calling you to a place where that could become a reality, right? So in other words, it wasn't just, I'm looking for a job. Right, right. It was very much, you know, when you were discussing, um, you know, God's purpose for our lives, that was, you know, something I remember, again, just explicitly when we were driving down this way, we're like, man, Lord, what would you have for us? Um, and, and, and we knew, we knew that was part of it really from day one. In truth, it took us a couple years of, um, if I'm being really honest, I got tied up with work and I wasn't doing what God had very explicitly called me to. There were a handful of years there that I was eventually... Um, obedient to. So. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you something, uh, friends. You know, working alongside and partnering with these men is a, is a huge joy for me, not least because we spend uh, very meaningful times in prayer. Yes, when we meet at our monthly meetings, we're up in the conference room and we're discussing various issues related to our church, but we always conclude our meetings right here. We come into the worship center, uh, the lights are on, there's no music playing, no one else is here, and we just, we just all line up on the altar and, and, just, and just kneel down and pray, and, and, and pray about God's best for our church, and, and what, what's, his, what's his vision for the church. You know, there, there's, some, there's some big ticket strategic things that we talk and pray about on a regular basis, one of which is over the last several months, we have been praying through developing a statement on, on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible say about marriage, divorce, and remarriage? And it's incredibly important that as a church, we, we have a clear message for our people from the Scripture of what that is. And so we've been working on that and praying through that. that that's a very strategic level thing for our church. As a matter of fact, next month I'll be doing a three-part teaching series on what does the Bible have to say on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, certainly not, not based on that, that statement that we've crafted. It's based on the Word of God, but the statement springs out from the scripture. So that's one of the big ticket items. Another big ticket item that we're, that we're continually praying through is, uh, you know, debt retirement. Uh, you know, we, we still carry a significant amount of debt on our, on our building here that we need to pay down. Of course, we have built our monthly payments into our budget 
Uh, and so through your faithfulness and giving and generosity every single week and every single month, we are making the payments. That's not a problem. But we're praying about when, when is the right time for us to more aggressively try to pay this thing off early. Uh, honestly, I have not talked about that a lot in the last three years, and, and part of it's because of COVID and the economy and everything, but I truly felt like the, the year or two before I came, there was probably too much talk about debt retirement. I'll just be very honest, too much talk about debt retirement, and, and, and one of the reasons God brought me to the Crossgate Church was to refocus this church with a laser focus on the Great Commission of making more and better disciples, and I truly believe that when we're making more and better disciples, as God has called us to, then God takes care of a lot of other things to include debt retirement. So, we're, but we're praying right now as elders about, okay, when, what is our next step in terms of more aggressively addressing the debt? Something else we're praying about is how do we, how do we create a more outward focused culture at Crossgate Church? You hear me talk about this all the time, but we talk about it. We pray about it. How, how do we take our, ourselves, because it's got to start with us as elders, right? I mean, if we're not outward focused, if we're not sharing Jesus, if we're not, you know, engaging our one on a regular basis, how, we, how in the world can we expect anyone else to do that? So those are some of the big ticket items that we're, that we're thinking and praying about. I, I tell you, I would appreciate your prayers for me and for our elders as we take steps down the road to lead our church and, and set the pace. But, you know, another big ticket item that we've been working through for the last 12 months is our 12-month vetting process for Mark Park, who is our current elder candidate. Of course, many of you know, a year ago, uh, you as a congregation overwhelmingly nominated Mark uh, to, to be vetted over the course of a year as, as a potential elder at Crossgate Church. This is not something we enter into lightly, and that's why we take a full 12-month cycle uh, to really Really prayerfully think about, and, and not just for, for our elder candidate, for his wife as well. In this case, Donna. So many of you know Mark and Donna, just, just dear, sweet, others-centered followers of Jesus. I mean, I don't think we have a better, a better couple at Crossgate Church than Mark and Donna Park. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Mark and Donna to come to the platform. Mark, at this point in time, is going to share his personal testimony with you, and then we're going to have a time of prayer over Mark and Donna. Next weekend, starting on Thursday, we will send out digital digital ballots to all active members of Crossgate Church. You'll get those in your email. And then, of course, we will also have paper ballots uh, next Sunday right here on campus. Either way, I, I want to encourage all active members at Crossgate Church uh, to prayerfully uh, prepare to cast a vote of affirmation for Mark Park as our next elder at Crossgate Church. Mark, why don't you share your testimony with us, brother? Most of you know I'm not much of a talker, so this will be short. I'm Mark, and this is my wonderful wife, Donna. We've been married for 38 years, so yes, she was a teenage bride. We were high school sweethearts and got married while we were in college. We have three married sons. They live in Calgary, Canada, Arlington, Texas, and Lebanon, Pennsylvania. We have eight of the sweetest and cutest grandchildren in the whole wide world. I was raised in a Christian home. In fact, my faith story begins when my parents were saved a couple years before I was born. We were in church every time the doors were open, and when I was 11 or 12 years old, I understood that my sins separated me from a holy God, and I could not go to heaven. I also understood through the scriptures that Jesus Christ was the provision for my sin if I would believe upon him as Lord and Savior, as my boss. I understood it more than to believe intellectually, but it was a change of life doing his will and not mine will alone. There was an immediate difference in my life. Even from that early date, 
a desire to be more than a nominal Christian. I wanted to be really used by God for His glory. I was not discipled in those early years, but after college and marriage, God supernaturally, we believe, moved us to Hot Springs in 1986. And we got a good church and were truly discipled. We have faithfully and maturely followed Christ since then. I still struggle with the flesh and require daily filling of the Holy Spirit. However, I'm very certain that the peace God is leading and providing in my earthly and heavenly future in God's hands, not mine. The fruit of the Spirit are daily being cultivated in my life. Don and I desire to serve the Lord, and we are confident that, in, that this is our next step in that journey. Amen. Thank you so much, Mark. Les, I'm going to ask you to come and uh, share a, a, a scripture and lead us in prayer. Elders, why don't you gather around Mark and Donna as Les shares? Yeah, I want to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. Mark, I, I hope that you take this to heart. With all the elders among you, I appealed as a fellow elder, as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And with the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Let's pray. Well, Father, we just thank you for your love, your provision, your guidance, and most of all, your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, you are the head of this church, and we want to extend our gratitude and our appreciation for bringing us the type of servant leadership that meets your desires and the needs of the church. Lord, today we bring before you Mark and Donna, two disciples that have served your church well. But Father, we believe that Mark has heard and accepted your calling to oversee and serve our church family as an elder. In that endeavor, we ask a special blessing over Mark and Donna, a blessing of encouragement, protection, strength, and a marriage that will serve to glorify you. And specifically for Mark, we ask that you would provide him with all the gifts, wisdom, and grace needed for this calling. Lord, provide Mark with the insight and discernment of your will and help him to serve in your authority with a humble and loving spirit. For it's in the holy name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you, Les. Thank you, elders. So as, as they depart the platform, friends, I simply want to close out the service by asking this question. We ask it every single Sunday. What's your next step? Because at Crossgate Church, we believe everybody has a next step to take with Jesus Christ. Uh, perhaps your next step is your first step, to trust Christ for salvation, to be saved. There's never been a time in your life when you've personally said yes to Jesus, you've personally received forgiveness for your sins and become a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, if not, that's your first step 
to trust Jesus as Savior. And I would encourage you to come and talk to me personally or one of our other leaders in our Next Steps area immediately after this service. We mentioned Membership Matters uh, earlier in the service, and we'll have that in two weeks. That could potentially be your next step. If it is, again, come see us in Next Steps. But whatever your next step is, I pray that you take it in faith and you trust the Lord to provide you leadership and guidance along the way. And I want to pray for you now as we close out this service together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for, for speaking words of truth and wisdom into our hearts. Isaiah 20, verse 31, you will hear a voice, whether you turn to the right or the left, saying, this is the way, walk in it. God, help us to be faithful followers of Jesus, walking with you day after day after day, being faithful for the next 15 minutes, recognizing that your, that your truth will shine light upon our, our, upon our paths in the days beyond that 15 minutes. Bless our church and bless the families therein. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.